We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Baker Mayfield versus Carson Wentz, DJ Moore versus Terry McLaurin and Dynasty Trades on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners at Rotoviz. Back with another episode this week. I'm feeling a little bit better, Curtis. We had an exciting maneuver happen today in the National Football League that we're going to break down. How are you doing? Uh, doing doing better than you uh, health wise, but it is good to see that twinkle back in your eye. I'm sure your physical, I'm sure your uh, your physical uh, status will will follow uh, soon behind. I know, Dave, you are referring to the. Uh, I, I don't know if it's if we have a sad trombone sound effect, but the blockbuster trade of Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. Yes. <laughs> On point, uh, Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers for conditional 2024 fifth round pick, I think. Um, so, you know, this is, you know, this is good for Baker in terms of getting a, a chance to reboot. It's good for the Browns in terms of, uh, uh, you, you know, rebooting their locker room. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of ripple effect here. So I think that's going to be the focus of the the top part of the episode here. And it does take us straight into our... So today's FFPC stat attack is uh, courtesy of the Rotoviz AYA app. And we had a little fun with this talking Terry McLaurin a couple weeks ago, Dave. Uh, but it's, it's a way that I like to just quickly figure out how many different quarterbacks uh, have, have been or have actually thrown a pass to a receiver in, in, in the inverse. So DJ Moore you know, now uh, figures to, you know, see at least one target from Baker Mayfield in 2022. Baker Mayfield will be the ninth player to throw DJ Moore a pass in his time in the league. We did this with Terry McLaurin. I'll I'll see how many of the eight guys could you name uh, that have thrown DJ Moore a pass, Dave? I'm going to say you will get four. Okay. All right. Um, Cam. Yep. Uh, PJ Walker. 
Oh wow, he goes straight to Walker. Okay, uh, you, you might you might beat four here. Will Greer. Oh, there's three. Will Greer only threw DJ Moore two balls, so you're okay. you're in great shape now. All right, then um, was it Kyle Allen at one point in Carolina? Yes, yes. Wow. Kyle Allen actually threw the second most passes to DJ Moore, 115 targets. Wow. Okay. So wait, how many am I at right now? So you're already at four. I'm already at four. And, and, and you've got two really easy ones out there. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So Sam Darnold. Yep. There's five. And then um, why is it eluding me who was there before Sam Darnold? I don't think that you'll get. I, I think there's one more that you could potentially get, and then we'll put put you out of your misery. After one that. more that I could potentially I'm, I'm get. Carolina last yes. four years. Um, 100 tar- 102 targets. 102 targets from this player. So it would yeah. have been Cam goes away uh, to whoever it was before Darnold. And That's I, right. And that would have been, oh, was Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. Okay, it was Teddy yes. Two Gloves, man. Yes. Yeah, Teddy Two yes. Gloves. Uh, so you get six out of eight, man. I'm very impressed. Uh, very impressed there. Um you did not get Garrett Gilbert with two targets. Garrett um, Gilbert might as well be ta- the default when you need a backup quarterback, <laughs> right? And, and then Taylor Heineke. Um, oh, so okay, what's yeah. really funny, what's funny is, you know, several several of these players also showed up on McLaurin. Three of these players showed up on McLaurin's list. Uh, Gilbert, Allen, and Heineke also showed up on his list too. So the this was the other half of the stat attack is that Terry McLaurin also uh, has seen uh, passes from from eight uh, eight quarterbacks slash tight ends in his time in the league, and so uh, the focus of tonight's episode at the, the top anyway will be breaking down these situations in Carolina and Washington. Of course, the FFPC stat attack brought to you by myffpc.com, the home of the best high stakes fantasy contests in the world. Uh, we will be hitting up the main event. We have been smashing the best ball tournament. Uh, Sean and others have also been dabbling in the Superflex best ball tournament. So many good ways to play it. And of course, it's where uh, we host the Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues. Entry from $77 all the way up to $5,000 annually if you like the expensive Dynasty buy-in. So check that out on myffpc.com. And uh, with a Rotoviz subscription, you also get a, a nice little kitty of $25 in your uh, myffpc.com wallet there. So check that out. Dave, let's talk about Baker to the Panthers, what it means for the players, and then specifically DJ Moore, because I think that's what really has been the hot topic on social today. Yeah, let's do it. So this is from a projection building perspective, kind of an interesting maneuver in that if I pop in and start playing with the projections, I don't think that very much changes um, in terms of what I am doing in the inputs to specific players um, in the offense. But I think that we know from a non-projection perspective, some things definitely do change. Um, I think one of the things that people would have been wondering about before we had Mayfield coming into Carolina, and I guess before I even start going down this path, we should pause and talk about, because before there was this question of how much of the season might be Darnold, how much would be the rookie Matt Corral? 
I have still seen some people floating out the possibility that you could still see Sam Darnold this year, which I I don't <laughs> see as a possibility, right? Like, come on, we're on board yeah. here, right? That yeah. this is going to be a Baker led offense probably for the overwhelming majority of the season, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, this trade to me is signal that the team didn't see enough maturity or day one readiness from Matt Corral. Right? That's the only reason to make this deal, uh, to bring on the salary and add another veteran presence. It To me, it seems a little odd. I mean, you've got enough of a sample size with Sam Darnold to know that he's not going to be the long-term solution. Yes, you overpaid for him. It's a sunk cost. Um, you, you know, I, I don't know their cap situation specifically and whether or not it makes sense for them to cut bait or try to, to try to now move Darnold uh, to maybe improve another team's backup quarterback situation. But yeah, I, th- I think Baker's brought in with the idea that he would be able to take over the offense um, early in the season, uh, probably by before week one. Right, right. So with that in mind, and I'm actually... So keep in mind, I've only looked at this for about 15 minutes prior to us coming on, how things might change um, when you're actually projecting these players. In terms of play volume, I think that it's probably going to be somewhere similar to where I would have had it before, a little bit below league average, uh, with a pretty healthy share of those plays leaning toward the pass, maybe around 58% to 42%, which also makes sense when you think of the fact that this is an offense that, uh, you know, has a running back that is such a good threat as a wide receiver. Now, I had Corral and Darnold combining for around a 63% uh, completion rate before. I have Baker around 64% in my initial pass through here. The last couple of years, he was at 62 and 63 um, so, you know, hoping that, uh, you know, some dump offs to McCaffrey can help raise that up just a percentage point. So fairly in line with what he's done years prior. Now, I do think where you're going to have a pickup for players in Carolina, and we could say specifically DJ Moore would be in the terms of receiving touchdowns that we could expect them to see before the move of Mayfield coming in. I had DJ Moore with a 6% receiving touchdown percentage, which got him to six receiving touchdowns. The rest of the players on this team, I only had combining for around a total of, or well, in total, I only had 21 passing touchdowns for Carolina. Now, Baker has had a couple seasons where he did have really high touchdown totals. Uh, you know, as recently as 2020, he was at 29, was at 27 as a rookie. Uh, given that he's going to have McCaffrey that he's throwing to, I think that Robbie Anderson could still manage to score some touchdowns and DJ Moore. I think it's possible that we get above that 21 mark through around 17 games. And as a result of that, I would move up DJ Moore at least a touchdown or two in his projection. Now, he's the only player of consequence that I think is going to have a very significant, well, I shouldn't say very significant, but a significant enough of a move to touch upon. If I was doing my projections, McCaffrey was at RB2 before, so far behind Jonathan Taylor that he's not going to catch up. But I do think that we could see DJ Moore moving from where I had him before at wide receiver 13 
up a couple of spots now getting into that T. Higgins and Debo Samuel range when I've had a chance to account for all of the pieces of the situation and really put some brain power behind it. Robbie Anderson, um, in my older version of the projection, was coming out well beyond wide receiver four range, and I doubt that he could catch up to that. So I'll stop right there and see if you have any any thoughts on that or any reaction. Uh, you know, I think the other area um, where we could see a bit of an uptick, I mean, Darnold, he really... I mean, was was captain check down. Um, really just would not push the ball down the field. And Baker Mayfield has, I mean, he hasn't necessarily been terribly efficient, but he has not been afraid to throw the deep ball yep. uh, since coming into the league. I mean, he's like, you know, top five and pushing it down the field. And when you look at DJ Moore, and, is in, uh, and I'm in our advanced stat explorer now, looking at intended air yards per route, intended air yards per target, DJ Moore ranked just 70th amongst receivers with 50 targets and intended air yards per target. And so it's, you know, while DJ Moore is, you know, pretty exciting after the catch, uh, you know, agile enough to, to add a little bit on his own. You know, I think one thing that's held him back in terms of the touchdowns is the lack of the really big plays. Mm-hmm. And so I could see that be an area where DJ Moore uh, does pick up not just some touchdowns, but also some, you know, per catch efficiency. Uh, that should lead to to better fantasy production, and it does make a player um, e- either either Robbie Anderson or Terrace Marshall, you know, one of them um, potentially a little bit more exciting as well. But you know, this whole idea that Baker Mayfield is going to be the savior of the Panthers' offense—I mean, you know, his his stats were you know pedestrian at best with the combination of Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., David Njoku, Kareem Hunt you know, all players that are considered, you know, pluses um, at their respective skill positions over the past couple of years. So he already had all those advantages and a pretty decent offensive line. So to go to Carolina and just think that he's going to light the world on fire. I mean, the reason that this is thought of as an upgrade for DJ Moore is not because Baker's good. It's because of all of the other passers he's had to this point in his career right. have, have been pretty bad other than maybe that first year he had with Cam Newton before his decline started. And, it, and it's the reason that we want to talk about Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz in this episode, too, because there's a lot of parallels between the two situations. So, you know, DJ Moore, I don't think the downside um, was necessarily priced in. You know, the idea of, you know, Corral potentially even being worse than Darnold um, was probably not priced into, uh, you know, his his early ADP uh, in these drafts. You know, he's finished as a wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21 in recent seasons without really any reason to think that that would go higher, but still being drafted pretty aggressively. So, you know, I think now there is a little bit of room for upside. I don't think this pushes his, pushes him into like the back end wide receiver one conversation necessarily, but it does at least provide a range of outcomes where, you know, he could potentially achieve that. Right. So if I take a step outside of thinking about this from the projection standpoint, I mean, I feel a little bit better about more than I would have before. And I think that one of those major reasons is that I don't have this fear of him having a good relationship with one of the passers and then that getting taken away from him at some point 
in this season. Of course, you could make the flip side of that argument and say, well, what if he and Baker just don't work out? Then you don't have the entire season. But, you know, hopefully this alleviates some of the things that would prevent this offense from having the chances to kind of get going and let more hit a rhythm as he goes through the season. So if, if I'm taking a step back to me, there's more positives that can come out of this than there would be, you know, some of the big questions I would have had on the other side of the fence before the move. Um, but I was already, you know, kind of, I guess, all things considered pretty high on more. Uh, as a result of that, there's not too much higher that you could go. So it would be dangerous to have too much of a reaction, really, to any quarterback coming in when you already have a player, you know, on that fringe wide receiver in one range, unless you're bringing in one of the best passers in the league. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a responsible way to approach it. You know, I I think Baker actually, this trade probably saved some people uh, who had a bunch of early, uh, saves people from missing out on better opportunities for upside available in the same range of drafts um, that were heavy on, on DJ Moore before this trade. You know, case in point, and this is where we can bring in the McLaurin conversation. You know, DJ, let's, let's talk underdog yeah. for a second. So on, on underdog, DJ Moore, uh, current ADP wide receiver 18 has been available basically at the round three, four turn um, in, in every, every draft. You know, I, I don't see him go earlier than the, the mid third uh, very often, and he doesn't often slide past the mid fourth. But McLaurin with the wide receiver 20 ADP is typically available in the fourth. Um, and I've even gotten him at more, you know, in the four or five turn range. Uh, I, I do not see DJ Moore ever slide down to that range, but they're both getting a similar upgrade. And Wentz has actually objectively been a better quarterback through the first four years of his career than Mayfield was through the first four years of his. And, you know, the, the timing of the acquisition of the quarterback is what has really informed uh, or is going to affect the ADPs of these players. Like I fully expect DJ Moore to get, you know, at least a three to four pick spike in ADP over the next in a week and in, in most of the best ball uh, platforms, I don't expect McLaurin to budge. Uh, McL- and McLaurin is actually being drafted, you know, lower than he was last year after he produced with, you know, a, a crap QB situation, just like DJ Moore did, but he gets the, the lift to Carson Wentz. I don't think his ADP is going to budge. He's going to become an even better value versus a player like Moore. Um, you know, they're, they're similar in that they haven't been, terribly efficient at scoring touchdowns. Again, that's probably more driven by the overall ineffectiveness of the offense and the quarterbacks throwing them the ball. But, you know, they're both kind of in that, all right, 80 reception range, 1,000 to, you know, 1,100 receiving yard range, four to six touchdown range. And both of them could take a step forward. But I I really think the lean goes to McLaurin in almost every aspect of this. And they're just not going to be drafted that way. McLaurin's not dealing with a... Uh, absolute target magnet in the backfield like Christian McCaffrey. Yes, the, the you know, uh, yeah. the commanders will feature McKissick and Gibson to a degree uh, in the in the receiving game, but they're likely to focus more on pushing the ball downfield uh, with Wentz as neither one of those backs is, is you know, exactly Christian McCaffrey receiving the ball. Um, there's also probably um, uh, going to be a, a more of a rapport that's going to exist because Wentz has been there all off season with McLaurin. They've already been working together. Mayfield's coming in totally stone cold 
hasn't been in the facility for Cleveland, now has to relocate to Carolina, learn a new offense without getting any of the, the mini camps or the OTAs uh, and, and get established. So, um, you know, there's still a lot working against um, DJ Moore achieving much ceiling above where he's at, which I think is what you're trying to articulate. But what I want to layer onto this is I think McLaurin's been a better bet head to head for a lot of the same reasons that DJ Moore will get an ADP spike now. Um, it just wasn't realized. So, uh, if, if you're left with this decision, you know, I, I really like and, and still will like even more McLaurin over DJ Moore. How do you feel about those two, Dave? Well, I think one of the beautiful things about this question is given that disparity in ADP and people kind of souring on McLaurin, it makes it very easy to have the answer be McLaurin. Um, because I think a lot of the points that you make hold, do I think that DJ Moore is probably a better player overall? I think he's probably a little bit more talented of a player, but this situation that we're looking at here, um, I, I tend to agree. There's some advanced metrics. I don't have them pulled up right now that you could point to of Wentz being better than people I've given him credit for. Of course, you have to remove all of the locker room questions and all of that. But yeah, I mean, McLaurin's going to be the best player likely in his offense, not needing to deal with Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, could see that tremendous target share last year in what was a down year for him. That was very disappointing. He still had, uh, you know, 25% of his games as wide receiver one performances. Now, the interesting thing, Curtis, was all of his other games were wide receiver three performances. So he actually was that, you know, example of a boom bust type of guy um, in last year. But I, I, that does not feel like something that we're going to expect to continue from a player who was ranked 15th in target share last year. That could go up, who was 23rd in air yards per target and was extremely inefficient. He was 31 in expected points per game, 90th in fantasy points over expectation per game among wide receivers still comes in um, as wide receiver 32 in PPR per game. Assuming you do get this boost from Wentz, which I'm buying into, I think you could see an additional couple of games as a wide receiver one. And there's definitely the possibility that he recovers and becomes, you know, just average in terms of efficiency, which is going to move up a lot of his numbers, uh, you know, pretty significantly. So I take those points. I do think that it's kind of a hard um, statement for me to make to say definitively McLaurin over more. But if we continue to see Moore's price go up as we would expect, then I, th I think, you know, the correct answer to this, this, this question is McLaurin. Yeah, a little bit more on the Mayfield and, and Wentz piece without even going to the advanced stats you know through their first four seasons I mean Wentz outperformed Baker Mayfield in completion percentage passing yards passing touchdowns passer rating interception percentage and then uh you know going into more of the advanced stats and I'm back in our advanced stats explorer now uh in in 2021 amongst quarterbacks with a minimum of 100 passing attempts um you know we see Wentz ranking uh 25th in terms of uh catchable uh, targets thrown at 78%, Mayfield at 75, uh, out, actually outside, you know, it's not a, not a huge difference in terms of the, the percentage there, but he actually <laughs> ranks outside the top 40 amongst uh, quarterbacks with a, 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 a hundred passes thrown last year. You go to the on target percentage, uh, Wentz outperforms him there. 
You turn, you look at the air yard conversion percentage, Wentz outperforms him there. So there's just a lot. Um, I think it would be pace. If, if, if DJ Moore were to outperform Terry McLaurin this year, because I don't expect their, I don't expect their target market shares within their team to be materially different either. Yep. Maybe we would disagree on that, but I think we'll probably find um, alignment. It would really just be the pace would be the only thing that would potentially uh, drive DJ more higher as if the, the Panthers are just so putrid that they're, they're passing the entire second half and you know the commanders uh, manage to stay in more games. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that's a pretty interesting breakdown there. So we definitely touched upon the Moore and McLaurin component. I guess one general question that we probably need to answer for listeners out there is with which we probably have to some extent with Baker back now in a full time starting role, presumably with a couple of weapons there in McCaffrey and more, I guess the framing probably would be in a two quarterback league. How attractive of an option does he become now? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Baker? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, well, uh, I would rather have Wentz than Baker, um, right. just because there, there's a little bit of a commitment from the from the from that team, and I, right. I imagine they'll go in, in a similar area of the draft. I mean, geez, if we pull up, uh, if you give me a second, I'll dial up. You know, the the recent best ball ADP on the site here, uh, and just a reminder in case listeners have uh, missed that announcement on social and on the various podcasts over the last week, uh, we do actually also have underdog ADP. Uh, for all of their best ball games on the site as well. And, and you can do all the cool tricks that we've always offered for FFPC and other formats uh, with the ADP charting and the ADP risers and fallers. So I'll just pull up uh, ADP charting uh, for Carson Wentz. While you pull um, that up, I'm going to share a funny Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield right now. Yeah. Can I, can I share one Baker Mayfield stat though? 2018 oh, sure. ranking uh, points per game, 20, 2019, 
28th overall 2020, 26th overall in 2021, 31st overall. So just a, a context I wanted to provide. Um, I think we can land on his attractiveness uh, by playing this game. Okay. okay. So I think all, all of the quarterbacks, um, all of the quarterbacks down through position rank 18 in terms of ADP on, on underdog, I think are no brainers before you start bringing Bay, uh, Baker Mayfield into the debate. Even if you're a delusional Baker Mayfield fan, yep. you're not going to take him above like the Trevor Lawrence's of the world. So, so at QB 19, you get into the Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones area below that you see Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. I think you would be insane to take Baker over either one of those players, knowing what we know about mm -hmm. the year two quarterback leap and the investment um, those offenses have made. If you want to debate versus Jameis versus Matt Ryan versus Daniel Jones. Okay. Maybe uh, to me, I would still take all of those players who are, you know, strong in-house favorites to, to start all 17 games for their team. If healthy um, at QB 24, skipping back down past Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, we've got Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff. Uh, prefer both of those guys to Baker Mayfield, yep. Carson Wentz at QB 26. So I think that the first place that Baker could potentially really slot in would be at QB 27. And he's already, he was already being drafted at QB 30. <laughs> uh, he was already being drafted mm -hmm. at QB 30. So that not much of a spike here, but it would be, you know, at QB 27, he would need to, to unseat Davis Mills. Um, so Davis Mills in Houston there. Um, Deshaun Watson actually still uh, QB 28, Marcus Mariota, QB 29. Um, and then, you know, here's the other thing behind Baker. I mean, I think I would rather have Mitchell Trubisky than, than Baker Mayfield, Mitchell Trubisky going QB 31. Um, I like the overall uh, cast of characters in Pittsburgh better than Carolina. And, you know, I don't think that Pittsburgh is a team that will feel a lot of pressure to thrust Kenny Pickett into that role. If Trubisky is keeping the team near 500, they have very yeah. stable, very patient ownership. Tomlin is not on the hot seat like Matt Rule is. Um, and so, you know, I, I would think that Mitchell Trubisky is a better bet to start uh, more games this year, too. So there's just really all this does is ensure that Baker will be putting up fantasy stats. So the shares that maybe you've acquired are not dead in best ball, but it's, you know, it's a dead cat bounce, you know? Yeah. So I, I think the takeaway here is, um, if you need a body in a two quarterback league, Baker could be your guy outside of that. Probably not much enthusiasm to be drummed up for him here. We, yeah. Uh, for, from a dynasty perspective, you know um, maybe th there's a little uh, there's right because you know, he gets this audition year and maybe that super flex share that you invested a very early rookie pick in, you know, several years ago, uh, ha has a little bit of, you know, additional life. Um, so, you know, if he, if he can string together a full 17 games and, and uh, e either extend Matt rules uh, uh, life there in Carolina, or actually look, you know, somewhat decent, perhaps he can parlay that into a longer contract or at least a chance to start for, you know, another team and uh, become maybe the next Ryan Fitzpatrick or Andy Dalton uh, type. Sure. So Curtis, we actually, uh, I think we can transition out of that topic now. Uh, I think we've talked enough Baker. <laughs> we spent so much time on stinking Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm done with it. We received a trade offer today. Um, in one of the, one of the teams that we're managing care to, uh, 
break down what this offer was and, and some of the specifics as to why you think it could or could not make sense for us? Yeah, sure. So um, this is back over on FFPC. Uh, it is one of our Rotoviz Triflex Superflex Dynasty Best Ball Leagues, a $250 uh, buy-in league um, where we're playing it under the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast name. So it's a, our, our first co-managed dynasty uh, venture together, Dave. And we, just to remind the listeners, because it's been a couple months, I mean, we just absolutely <laughs> destroyed this draft. It was so cool. Uh, I'll do a quick roster rundown and then share what the trade was. Um, at quarterback, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson. Um, at running back of note, uh, Leonard Fournette, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Algier. Wide receiver of note, CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Kadarius Toney, Alan Lazard, Kendrick Bourne, uh, and at tight end, Travis Kelsey, Cole Komet, Gerald Everett, and more. Um, so we're, we're definitely feeling like, you know, this is, you know, we're playing for titles in the first two years with this squad. Now, yep. the Deshaun Watson scenario is why this other manager probably sent us this offer. Um, and so, you know, this guy thinking these guys want to win this year. Are they willing to go into the season just with Ryan Tannehill and Jameis Winston? So in our inbox today, we get an offer of the other managers, Aaron Rodgers, for our Devontae Adams. So Dave, um, looking at this, you know, in Superflex, I think oftentimes people feel pressure to carry three quarterbacks so that you are always posting those fantasy points in the super flex spot from a quarterback. Right. Um, and, and sure the week, we, the weekly floor is certainly higher, but the weekly ceiling isn't necessarily any different between the quarterback and, you know, a position, you know, a skill position right. player that could slot in there. Um, so I think the, the real question is, do we think we can get a QB one week each week from either Ryan Tannehill or Jameis Winston so that we're not taking, you know, a big L in our QB one spot, because if we think that's the case, I don't know that I want to break up this. I don't know that I want to break up this wide receiver core. I mean, again, CD lamb, Hollywood Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams, that foursome is just so formidable that when you combine it with the positional advantage we have at tight end and Travis Kelsey, I'm not so sure having a, a very mediocre, stable of quarterbacks in the event Deshaun Watson misses the whole season is really going to hurt us. Um, before I say what I would like to do though, I want to hear uh, your reaction to this trade. Sure. Well, just to confirm, right? This is a best ball dynasty. Best ball, super flex dynasty. Best yep. ball, super flex dynasty. Um, so that's one of the things that's factoring into my mind here because our quarterbacks uh, so it's Jameis and Tannehill, right? Unless Watson, unless Watson is, is there, so the whole year. I'm, so if we get yeah. Deshaun games, it's a no-brainer. This is right. an automatic decline, right? But we just don't know. So even outside of that, I still think that we get enough weeks where both of those guys are, or one of them has, you know, a QB one week. And then between who that uh, the other guy happens to be and the rest of the players that we have on this roster, I think our flex 
could very much be fine. I I would feel comfortable heading into the season with those two. As I've talked about, I think that Ryan Tannehill might be getting a little underpriced this year. Um, and this team isn't built around having these stud quarterbacks. It's built around the wide receiver crew. The fact that we have Travis Kelsey, I think we can get it done. And outside of that, Curtis, even if we are looking for the win now, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, we need to write off next year either. I'd still rather have the option of rolling that wide receiver core out with Kelsey included, you know, going into 20, uh, 23, right? Absent of Rogers. So to me, this is a move I don't think I would make. I know I'm having trouble laying out my reasoning. That's okay. Um, that's that's why we're co-owning this team. Um, we can bounce it off of each other. You know, so looking at this, I think the way to break it down is how many more useful years do we get out of Devontae Adams versus how many would we get out of Aaron Rodgers? Because the super flex aspect of it yep. um, does mean that we don't have to get, you know, those those weeks right uh, in the starting lineups. If, you know, if we think Devontae Adams is only going to be elite for one or two more seasons, I think that we could still seriously consider this trade. Yep. Um, because, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers last year, you know, of course he would have had Devontae Adams, but, you know, he averaged 23.4 fantasy points, you know, per game. And if I look at our wide receiver four or RB3, those players that would be getting slotted into that flex, you know, it's basically Hollywood Brown versus Tony Pollard or Kadarius Tony versus yep. Chase Edmonds. We're, we're likely uh, in a given week to get, you know, 13 to 15 points out of those players with the occasional spike week. But there, be, there might be many weeks where we're giving up 10 fantasy points per game. Um, so from, a, a, from a, a perspective of when our QB2 would flop versus the other positional players filling into that slot, I think the, the move to Rodgers makes some sense. But then you also have to go to the other levels, Okay. We make that swap, but what does then the Devontae Adams down to those same players swap mean for our wide receiver three position? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably the same type of drop-off from Devontae Adams to, say, Kadarius Tony yep. that it would be from Aaron Rodgers uh, to one of those players. So this really comes down to, to how long do we think Devontae Adams will continue to be elite? Or, or do we think that even will continue to be elite at all? after, you know, trading teams and, and getting into a new situation with all the other pass catchers around him and, you know, a quarterback that while solid is, you know, definitely inferior to Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I'm going to say that our decision criteria really should be, you know, two years uh, because, you know, we built this team with the idea of, of starting off with back-to-back championships. And I, I don't think at age 29 um, that we should expect Devontae Adams to be elite for more than two more years. Um, if he, if he indeed can even do that. So where are you maybe looking at the projections, looking at the range of outcomes tool? What do we see, you know, for Devonte Adams? Well, I think that this year you still very much see a player that is going to be elite. Now, the first place, as you mentioned, that we could look at here would be the range of outcomes tool, which, of course, does not know that there's the change in teams, but basing off of the last two seasons that it saw out of Adams, it has him heading into uh, the 2022 season with the fourth strongest distribution or range of outcomes of all wide receivers um, with 
around 11 matches scoring at 17 points per game which is a pretty strong number has him projected to score half a touchdown per game on nine targets these are pretty impressive numbers for a player at that age i think personally that uh this year we still see another very solid wide receiver one season for adams and he doesn't turn 30 until late december of this year so i think then yep. we get that year 30 season um in the second year of this dynasty which i would still feel pretty good about him following up and being a, an elite wide receiver in that year as well okay um i don't disagree with anything that you shared there so the only other thing and i mean the reason that we're looking at this from so many angles is pretty huge trade mm -hmm. um when you're talking about you know players that are you know both um, still, you know, pretty blue chip in this type of format. The other thing is, you know, making the trade, um, then there are trades you can make off of the trade. So, you know, we could make this deal, find out on July 11th that the NFL is unable to suspend Deshaun Watson and you roll into the season with this team that we have and Aaron Rodgers plus Deshaun Watson. I mean, yeah. we would lap the field so ridiculously that it would be it. And we do have Alan Lazard on this team, by the way. So we'd mm. be creating a, a, you know, a weekly spike stack there. We would then be free to move either Ryan Tannehill or Jameis Winston to another quarterback needy team um, in this league. And, you know, during the season, I think if either one of them is looking good, it would be, you know, possible for us to, to acquire a 2023 first if we were to add something small in with one of those players, you know, flip a 2023 third plus Winston or plus Tannehill for a first to a team that's in contention. And, you know, we did move some of our rookie picks in the startup. So, so that is the other thing that we, that we would need to consider this, this offer, unless the owner pulls it uh, will be good for one week. Yep. And so my inclination is in this, again, this is, strategic dynasty stuff. I mean, if you're getting offers that include Deshaun Watson uh, or your Deshaun Watson manager, you should certainly consider this. Uh, if you've got any of them on the table, let's let that offer stay on the table and wait until July 11th and see what happens. It's not going to expire. Yep. So if we find, if we know that Deshaun Watson is going to be out right now, we're just saying, ah, we think we'd be comfortable if he was out. Well, it'll be different if we find out that he is out, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and the emotions around it, you know, could potentially change or, you know, other moves could materialize. Other offers could come in that we might be able to leverage this deal against. So I'm tempted to just let it sit there. And if the owner pulls it before the 11th, you know, we'll send them a note and say, Hey, this was an intriguing offer. You know, we're keeping it in mind. We want to get a little bit more information on Deshaun before we decide. And then we'll just be straightforward about it. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think um, you laid out a, a good thought process there of how to think through a trade before you just kind of hastily, ah, no, I'm just going to reject that. Uh, for a couple of reasons, you know, you might realize when you're looking through that roster that it actually gives a bigger boost to your team than you previously imagined. But you can also think about how, like you said, if you do make that move, how does it allow you to maneuver from there? Uh, you know, what benefits could it give you if things break a different way than you were expecting? So definitely good to always try to come at it from those different angles versus just kind of having that knee jerk reaction.
Well, there's some other things we can do too. The, the last thing that I would say um, that, that we haven't really considered is, you know, what would the counters be? You know, so I'm looking at this other manager's team. You know, he, he offered us Aaron Rodgers for Devontae Adams, but, you know, he also has Russell Wilson. I mean, if it were to be Russell Wilson for Devontae Adams, I think I'd be pretty tempted to just pull the trigger now because, the you know, there's not the same uncertainty about the remaining years that he's going to play. Right. Um, and, and then we just, you know, we backfill with a wide receiver two type and go ahead and move, you know, Tannehill or, or Winston now. He also has Justin Fields. Would we want to do Justin Fields plus another young receiver to build out both positions and move on from Devontae at the relative height of value? So right. he's got he's got Cortland Sutton. Um, he's got Chris Godwin, who will be injured at the beginning of the year and out. You know, so could would we be able to swing something like uh, Justin Fields and Chris Godwin for Devontae Adams and something? I mean, one e- either one of the older quarterbacks, I think, uh, would be a value win from a dynasty perspective. So Tannehill and Adams for Godwin and Fields. Um, a year from now, Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams probably have pretty similar dynasty value. Yeah, sure. uh, so that that would be that would be a potential option there. Um, we're also a little light at running back, and I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to center a deal where we move Devontae Adams around repositioning for running backs. I just don't think it's necessary with our team. But we yep. did bank a lot on Leonard Fournette having a great season um, in within the the construct of this team. We do have to start two running backs each week. Fournette's our RB1. We have a nice stable of, of guys who I think can provide some upside, uh, especially if things bounce just right. You know, we have the, re- the receiving back and the highest paid back in Miami and Chase Edmonds. We have Tony Pollard, who is just, you know, a heartbeat away from, from being a league winner, we think. And Tyler Algier, who we like, but, you know, it's unclear what his role will be. Same with Daryl Henderson. So it's a little bit murky. So, you know, maybe you move one of those players along with Adams. And you just go for the big upgrade at at running back. You know, he's got Derrick Henry. He's got Aaron Jones. Um, so would we want to go that direction? Is Are the usable years for Aaron Jones similar to the usable years for Devontae Adams at this point? I would say that they probably are. Yeah. So that, that, that would be another way that we could approach this. Um, if you don't want to wait for the Deshaun Watson news and you like the idea of repositioning our team and not focusing the deal around a quarterback. I think me personally, I would probably try to wait a little bit, get the yeah. information on the Watson piece before we before we move on. Of the other options that you laid out, the fields is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. That piece of getting the other wide receiver, I guess I'd have to really think about who that other wide receiver piece would be. Well, from a from a from a startup value perspective, we're not going to be able to expect to get much more. I mean, fields for Adam straight up is probably more fair from a dynasty value perspective than Rogers for Adam straight up. Right. Uh, But there's obviously a lot more risk (laughs) baked into that. Uh, So I think, I think we would be trying to get a lesser receiver back and then send the other manager, you know, back, you know, Winston or Tannehill. Right. Right. Okay. Well, we'll come back to it and we can let the listeners know what we decided to do. Uh, Let's sit on it, figure out what happens with Deshaun before the 11th. Sometimes the best move is no move. Uh, but I do like some of the pieces on this other roster and it's good to know that he wants to deal. So we want to make sure that we stay engaged and keep our options open. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz fantasy football show. 
Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com